0: psychology and stuff, and this is part five of our six-part series on losing control, a show we put together from my website, All the Rage Science. This was one of my favorite episodes of the series because we took a look at the catharsis myth. In other news, you should check out the Psych and Stuff Shorts, a companion show that my co-host Georgina and I put together this summer. You can find it by heading over to Psych and Stuff on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or even checking out my website, alltheragescience.com. I think you'll like it. It's a short, fun episode we talk about what we've been up to, do some rapid research reviews, and talk about our plans for the fall. We even have some surprise guests. As always, if you want to learn more about anger, visit my website, alltheragescience.com, or find me on Twitter, at Rye C. Mart.
1: Well, how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer's the same. Practice, practice, practice.
0: Welcome to All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence. This is episode five of our series on losing control. I'm Ryan Martin, anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, and I'm here, as almost always, with Chuck Ryback, friend, poet, English professor, and dean of the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences at UW-Green Bay. How's it going, Chuck? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. So I missed you last week for our episode on driving. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yes. No, it's not your fault. We I couldn't. was too busy screaming at people in traffic, <laughs> yes. but I could not show up here. We, we couldn't make it work. It was fun, though. Taylor Goldbrand, uh, fabulous psychology student, stepped uh-huh. in, and uh, not the same, but uh, still. Like, oh,
2: it's it all good, man. Korea. It's so, okay.
0: But, yeah. so um, Road rage is not my favorite topic anyway. Isn't. no. What is your favorite topic, would you say? Wow. The, I the arts,
2: culture, video games. Nice. Okay. Deep thoughts. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about. So this. Why actually... Lord of the Rings is so boring. Go ahead. Oh, wow. I meant the movies, not the uh, okay. books, even though those okay. could be boring, too. Wow, but Literally. Whoa. Our, uh, I'm sorry. Our
0: producer's mind.
2: <laughs> when I see Elvish, I want to go into a rage room.
0: All right. <laughs> that is perfect. Way to bring it back uh, all right. to today's episode. So actually, the other way we can bring it to today's episode is that everything we're talking about today is rooted in this idea of catharsis. Yes. Which is, you I know, love that word. Yeah. Largely rooted in the Aristotelian. Yeah. So it is. <laughs> Aristotelian
2: term right there from Aristotle's Poetics. There you go. feeling. <laughs>
0: Yeah, very nice. So let's uh, let's take a moment to talk about the concept itself yeah. as it applies to anger. So at least when we talk about it in anger, we're, we're sort of embracing this model of human beings as like a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. And the idea is if you don't let out steam every now and then, you yep. will eventually explode. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a long-held perspective in psychology. Yeah this idea. So much so that I'm guessing that even as someone who hasn't necessarily formally studied anger and violence, you Mm -hmm. are familiar with the content.
2: Yeah, you know, it's close to the Aristotelian concept. And I sort of learned that psychological approach to it. I think the way that Aristotle defines it is really close in that it's a way of experiencing something without having to suffer the consequences of it, sort of like safely, like going to a tragedy. And seeing death and unfortunate circumstance and being able to experience that, but not actually have to suffer the consequences of it. And that that is a release uh, that makes you feel that it's a necessary psychological release to know that that kind of tragedy is out there and be able to experience it safely. I don't know. As a way of preparing. I'm not sure.
0: Right. And that... Is that right? Yes, I think it is. And I think one of the things that's interesting, though, is that there's different ways of thinking about catharsis within the realm of psychology, in some of which is probably valuable, in some of which is not. And mm-hmm. Today we're actually lar- mostly going to focus on the stuff that's not right because I had a feeling. Yep, uh, and so you know ultimately the um, because the, the notion of catharsis is rooted in a lot of counseling psychology work, right? I mean, Freud certainly talked about the value of catharsis. Mm-hmm. Um, there are counseling psychologists who talk about the value of, of clients having a good cry. Um, I am not an expert on the research on any of those things, but what I am familiar with is what it does to people when they just vent Mm -hmm. uncontrollably, um, when they break things, when they smash things.
2: Catharsis does feel like one of those terms that's approaching that pop psychology level. Like if somebody were to say acceptance to me, I'm not even sure what that would mean.
0: Right. I mean, is that the same thing as deal with it? I I have no... What does that mean? Right. Yep. Um, And I think there's there's quite a few of those that have a legitimate psychological definition, but then they also have some sort of pop psychology definitions, right? Junk psychology. Yes. Let's call it junk. Sounds good. All right. In the context here, though, I want to talk specifically about what we we mentioned earlier, rage rooms.
2: Oh man, right? okay, go ahead. Are you familiar with- I am, the I watched a rage... video, I yeah. saw it.
0: Let's actually take a moment here to watch that same video that I sent you earlier and let our audience
3: listen in.
1: One business in Dallas is banking on a unique way to help you deal with your anger. Don Champion has the details.
3: Have you ever been so angry you just wanted to smash something? At this Dallas warehouse, people can. It's called the anger room. Morgan Churchill came here with her little sister, looking to relieve a little stress from school.
2: Doing bad things is fun, you know. You don't get to break stuff every day.
3: For $45, they suit up in safety gear, pick their weapon, then get 15 minutes to smash anything they want. From a TV, to a mannequin, a desk, and lots of dishes. It's just a way to release the anger. Donna Alexander created the anger room in 2008 in her garage.
0: I started getting strangers at my door like a month later saying, is this the place to
3: break stuff? With more and more people looking for a release, she kept moving into larger spaces. From people upset over work to the newly divorced and even frustrated reporters.
0: You can hear things about workplace with people who hate their bosses or hate their coworkers. You know?
3: Cameraman. <laughs> Cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the only place cashing in on anger. So cool. Similar businesses have popped up in Canada and Houston. Alexander is looking to expand to Las Vegas next year and eventually New York.
0: It's amazing, it's just a really
3: amazing feeling. Making this business a smashing success. Don Champion, CBS News, Dallas.
0: So Chuck, prior to, to watching that video earlier today, were you uh, were you familiar with Rage Rooms as a concept?
2: I was, I think that we've talked about it a yeah. few times. Um, and I can, it, since I'm reading your mind, I under, I can feel that you're asking me how I feel yes. about this. Um, and I'm so grumpy about it that I can't wait to say, I'm just going to confess that it seems infantile yes. to me. It does not seem productive, cathartic, right? Therapeutic, that was the word I was looking for. Um, it seems infantile, especially to pay to do this. Um, I don't know. There's. It feels counterproductive. To associate anger only with breaking things. Or maybe that's that's not the point, but I, I definitely wouldn't pay someone to go Correct. do that. I, I don't even want to dig into the precedent of that, but um, you know, redirect that to some other source. I I, I can be angry and want to do something good mm-hmm. to overcome that, sort of I don't know, like a counterbalance to it, and hopefully that it would tip the scales in the other way. When I see the video and I see what's happening there, I'm entirely unimpressed and slightly horrified. How's that?
0: No, that all sounds good. And I, so confession, I think once we talked about actually going to a rage room, and ultimately part of the reason I didn't ever push that is Mm -hmm. because I decided I didn't want to give any money to that. Yeah. Um, And it all feels where you use the word infantile and I'm right on board. Um, I would actually even use a, a slightly different word and say it also feels gross. Mm-hmm. It feels gross <laughs> to me to spend money, t- and, and and frankly, in some ways, very American mm-hmm. to spend money to just destroy stuff. Yes, and I'm and I had this weird situation like a couple years ago where I was visiting. So I recently learned about a place like this opening up in our area here, and and was you know people were telling me about it. And around the same time, I went and I was touring and working with someone at a domestic violence shelter in mm-hmm. town. And she told me that one of the things they really need were donations for dishes for people uh, to, sure. to yep. get their start. After. And here
2: we are smashing dishes. Yep. And yep.
0: then I'm and so I watched this video, and I'm hearing that at the same time, and it just felt so gross to me that we've got people in one hand breaking things, spending $45 mm-hmm. to break things, yeah. and another person saying, this is what I really need to help give some women who have been victims of domestic violence. Sure. A new start.
2: And now that you're pointing out the dishes part of it and watching the video, it feels entirely domestic. Right. We're going to break dishes and TVs and appliances. And I don't know, it gives the context that, you know, when you're angry, you need to start breaking things in your home. Right. Or going out and breaking things that are a facsimile to those things that are in your home, which seems ridiculous. I, I don't know. You could go out and maybe you could just rephrase it as, I'm angry. I want to build something. Right. And there are probably people who are like that, Mm -hmm. who get angry, who leave, and then, you know, I'm going to go build an engine. (laughs) I'm going to go build this thing, which seems more productive to me.
0: And on top of the fact that it's not productive, we also have a lot of good evidence to say that it's pretty bad for us. Mm -hmm. And to discuss that, we are going to turn once again to Dr. Brad Bushman, professor of communication and psychology at The Ohio State University. We heard from him last time when we were talking about driving anger. He's going to take us through a lot of the research out there on what we call the catharsis myth.
1: I became interested in the topic of aggression and violence because I want the world to be a more uh, peaceful place. Um, my mom says she's not surprised I went into this area because when I was just three years old, I brought her a dinosaur book, and two dinosaurs were fighting, and I was crying, and I said, Mom, why are they hurting each other? So I think I've always been concerned about violence and aggression, even since I was a little boy, and I'm even more concerned about it uh, now and ho- how to make the world uh um, more peaceful uh, place.
4: That is a really wonderful story. I'm thankful you shared that. <laughs> sure. Um, I know one of the things that you've studied a lot is this notion of catharsis and what we oftentimes refer to as the catharsis myth. I'm wondering if you could maybe provide some history on that, and uh, specifically catharsis as it applies to anger, and maybe if you know where that idea kind of came from
1: sure um I'm not a historian, but the uh, concept of catharsis can be traced back to Aristotle, who thought that it was healthy to um, witness aggression and violence um, or act it yourself uh in a safe way to uh reduce uh subsequent aggression and violence um, so according to catharsis theory um Uh, acting aggressively or even watching somebody else act aggressively can reduce anger and aggression into harmless channels. And the idea dates back to Aristotle. It was revised by Sigmund Freud, who had this hydraulic model of anger, and he argued that anger builds up inside a person like pressure inside of a pressure cooker, and unless you vent the anger, the person will, um, psychological symptoms will uh, manifest, and the person will eventually explode in an aggressive rage.
4: That's really interesting, because I see that pressure cooker metaphor in a variety of places. I guess I didn't realize that that in some ways went back to Freud.
1: Yeah, it, it it does, and I think the pressure cooker metaphor is useful in other ways because um, if, you, if you think about how anger, if anger builds up inside a person like steam inside a pressure cooker, then there are three ways you can deal with this buildup of steam. One way is to try to stuff it inside. Um, a second way is to vent it externally. But a third way that people hardly ever talk about at all is just to turn down the flame and lower the heat. Um, so those are different ways to deal with uh, anger.
4: Very nice. And you you, um, now you mentioned in the, in the intro that you've been studying this for 30-some years now. Can you kind of walk me through what you would consider the big takeaways from your research, uh, plus, you know, the more general body of research on catharsis?
1: Well, um, catharsis theory uh, sounds elegant, people like it, but really there's not much scientific evidence to support it. So I think we need to debunk this myth that it's somehow healthy to vent your anger or blow off steam. You know, many people have heard the old joke, "How, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Uh, the answer is practice, practice, practice. Well, how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer is the same, practice, practice, practice. And when people vent their anger, that's exactly what they're doing. They're just practicing how to behave more aggressively, such as by hitting, kicking, screaming, shouting, Um uh, it's it's like using uh, gasoline to put out a fire. It just feeds the flame. And it does that by keeping arousal levels high. Angry people are highly aroused, so you want the arousal level to come down, but venting elevates it instead of bringing it down. It also uh, keeps aggressive thoughts and angry feelings alive. Internally, you want to get rid of those if you want to reduce anger, but venting just feeds them. So uh it's like the worst possible way to reduce anger and aggression is to vent it.
4: So describe for me if you can some of the actual studies that might find this. What is, what does that research look like as far as, as how we how we know this, I guess.
1: Well, there's so many uh studies, <laughs> but I think the most damning one is one my colleagues and I conducted because it looks at um what's called the placebo effect. So, you know, if venting anger would work under any circumstance, it should work when people believe that it works, and psychologists call this the placebo effect. So, um it's easy to manipulate belief in anger. It's pretty malleable people. So, you can so in our study, we randomly assigned people to read an article, a very persuasive article, saying that venting works, was conclusive, scientific evidence proved that it was healthy, and, and, uh, or they read a different article that debunked catharsis theory and said, venting doesn't work, it's conclusive, scientific evidence have shown that uh, it doesn't work, many studies have have come to this conclusion, or we had a control condition. So if venting is going to work under any circumstance, it should work when you believe that it works. And so, uh, in other words, uh, if you've read an article saying that scientists are absolutely certain that it does work, and so then uh, in this study, we um, our participants were college students, and uh, we had them write an essay about a controversial topic. Uh, in this case, I think it was abortion. And uh, then they swapped essays with a, a partner. Actually this partner was an accomplice who was pretending to be another participant in the study. And this partner uh, wrote an essay exactly the opposite of what participants did. So if the participant was pro-choice, the partner wrote a pro-life essay. If the participant was pro-life, the partner wrote a pro-choice essay. Then they swapped essays for grading. And the way we made participants angry in the study is um, we tra- their partner trashed their essay, just gave it extremely, the lowest ratings possible, and a written comment like, this is one of the worst essays I've ever read. We also had a condition where they gave their partner positive uh, feedback, but that's not really relevant to catharsis because catharsis um, follows from making people angry. So we had participants Mm -hmm. who were angry, and then we gave them a chance to, to... vent their anger either by uh, punching a punching bag or as a control condition, we thought, what if they do absolutely nothing and just sit there and maybe they're stewing in their anger? We don't know. But it's a really powerful control condition if if you have people doing absolutely nothing versus venting their anger. So they vented their anger by punching on a punching bag. Um... And then uh, uh, we measured their anger uh, with the mood questionnaire, and um, we also measured their aggressive behavior. And the way we did that is they competed with this partner who was an accomplice uh, on a competitive task consisted of 25 trials. Each trial, uh, they compete to see who can press a button faster and the winner gets to blast the loser with loud noise through headphones, and um, uh, the noise is very unpleasant, and and it ranges from zero, no no noise. They don't don't have to behave aggressively. Uh, Level 1 is 60 decibels, 2 is 65, and so forth, up to level 10, which is 105 decibels. And they can also control how long the other person suffers by how long they hold down the duration button. So that's how uh, we measure aggression. If you want, maybe I can find the noise file. Do you want to hear it? Or oh, yeah, that would be great. Okay, hold on. The the noise is a mixture of noises that people really hate, like fingernails scratching on chalkboards, dentist drills, blow horns, sirens. Um, things like that, and Okay. I don't know how loud it will be on your phone, but um, I'm just gonna play it and you can get an idea. Could you hear yeah, it? That
4: that was awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, so they can choose uh, level five, level ten is 105 decibels, which okay. is about like a smoke alarm going off. So it's very unpleasant. And they can also choose how long the person suffers. And so if Catharsis theory is true, then the people who should behave the least aggressively and have the lowest levels of anger in our study are those who are led to believe that it's true, this placebo effect. And they um they get a chance to vent their anger by hitting a punching bag. Um, they should be the least angry and the least aggressive, but actually they were the most angry and the most aggressive uh, in our study. So not only did we not see a placebo effect, we saw an anti-placebo effect. So catharsis theory doesn't work, even if you believe that it works. And we also had a condition where Participants could aggress against a complete stranger rather than the accomplice who criticized their essay. And even, uh, people who vent their anger, um, are aggressive against totally innocent, uh, bystanders. So it's really, it's really a problem that, um, venting anger is not. So, you know, we talked earlier about, Stuffing stuffing your anger inside, that's not healthy because Mm -hmm. that can lead to cardiovascular disease and other health issues, but at least you don't harm anybody. But venting anger by expressing it also will lead to cardiovascular disease, just like stuffing it inside will. But in addition, uh, you're more likely to behave aggressively against other people, even against uh innocent bystanders. So, uh it's not a, a healthy uh way to manage anger for the reasons I said earlier. It just keeps the arousal. When you're hitting a punching bag, your just your arousal isn't going down. It's either maintaining or going up. You know, or you punch a pillow or yell or scream or shout. It's not uh it's it's not helpful. You know,
4: so about seven years ago, I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't remember this, but you actually did an interview for my blog, All the Rage, uh-huh. um, and just a, a written interview where you talked about catharsis, and actually you shared something in there with me that I was totally unaware of, um, and that's that uh, a variation of venting is intense physical exercise, such as writing.
1: Yes. Can, can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work either. Uh, um and the reason it doesn't work is because it also keeps arousal levels high. So if you want to get ra- if so if you want to get rid of anger you have to reduce arousal levels rather than increase them. Okay. That's really interesting and I
4: I say that I'm an avid runner, but I also um I have noticed that if I'm if I go on a run when I am a little bit frustrated or angry, that it it, it the other thing it does for me is it gives me time to ruminate, you know, where I'm just sort of right. revisiting yes. those thoughts. Um, but so, and I have read some things about angry running being related to cardiovascular problems as well. I think there was a New York Times article about that a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, um, uh, oh. running, you know, I I highly recommend physical exercise. It's uh, good for uh, your body, but it's not a good way to reduce anger and aggression. So I'm wondering why you
4: think people cling to this idea that catharsis works. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with, or we we're talking off air about this, that you're familiar with rage rooms, which are sprouting out across the country and, well, across the, the world right now, I think, Um can you maybe talk a little bit about why they're popular, why people can't let go of this idea that it works?
1: Yeah, well, the re- the reason venting is so hard to dispel this, the reason it's so hard to dispel this myth that venting is an effective way to reduce anger and aggression is because it feels good. You know, when people, and we actually have data on that in one of our studies that, you know, after people, angry people punch a punching bag, for example, in one of our study, we found about 75 to 80 percent of them, when we ask them, how do you feel? They say, I feel great. I feel better. So people like to, you know, when people are angry, they like to vent their anger. That it feels good. I remember when our son was uh, younger and his uh, older sister made him angry, um, you know i i told i told him okay uh, t- take let's count to 10 i don't want to count to 10 you know uh <laughs> let uh okay let's uh take some deep breaths i don't want to take any deep breaths i want to hit her right so um you know people uh it feel you know it feels good to express your anger people like it you know it's fun you know these these rage rooms um you know people are angry they get a do stuff they can't do in the normal world like take plates and bust them up or take a baseball bat and break a computer or a television set or whatever and it feels good and so if you ask angry people how do they feel after they're angry that almost the universal response is I feel better but People feel better after taking street drugs, and they feel better after eating chocolate. And that doesn't mean taking street drugs or eating chocolate is healthy, right? So the -hmm. the fact that you feel good is not the acid test of whether something is effective. Um, And the problem is when people become angry, they don't try something else, and they would feel better if they did Like counting to 10 or taking deep breaths, they would feel better.
0: So this week, we've been talking about what not to do when you're angry. Next week, we're going to move into what you can do.
1: Uh, Angry people tend to ruminate about what made them angry. They can't get it off their minds. They rehearse it over and over again. And that just makes them more angry. So think about something else. Uh, Distract yourself, such as by doing a crossword puzzle or reading a non-violent book or something like that just get your mind off it
0: and that'll be next week on all the rage until then keep it cool all the rage is produced by kate farley out of phoenix studios our podcast art was created by kimberly vlis and our music was created by v6 beats special thanks to today's guest dr brad bushman finally thanks to Haley falcon our intern who not only has a super cool name she does the stuff that keeps this show running